1: Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Premium Brands Holding Corporation third quarter 2020 earnings conference call. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Following the presentation today, we will conduct a question and answer session. And at that time, participants may ask a question by pressing star 1. For assistance during the call, please press star 0 on your touch-tone phone. It's now my pleasure to introduce today's host, George pele President and CEO of Premium Brands, and our CFO, Will Kaludic. Please go ahead.
2: Thanks, Carrie, and good morning, everyone. I would like to welcome you to our 2020 third quarter conference call. I'm pleased to report that the momentum we saw in our business in the latter half of the second quarter continued through to the third quarter, resulting in record sales and earnings. This was despite several of our companies continuing to struggle with the impact of COVID-19-related factors on many of their customers. Our success during these volatile times strongly validates our model of risk diversification across sales channels, customers, and product categories, highlights the strength and resilience of our business as a whole, and is a testament to the passion and entrepreneurial spirit of our people. We're especially pleased with progress being made by our U.S.-based sandwich, meat snack, and seafood platforms. All of these generated strong growth during the quarter, driven by the execution of long-term sustainable strategies. Correspondingly, our third quarter U.S. sales as compared to the third quarter of 2019 increased by 16% to a record 432 million. Furthermore, had it not been for significant labor shortages at almost all of our U.S. facilities, this number would have been even higher. Our core values of quality, transparency, innovation, social responsibility, and community engagement, which have driven our success in Canada, are resonating equally as well with U.S. consumers, particularly during these challenging times. Looking forward, We remain as excited as ever about the future. With a strong balance sheet, a solid base of core businesses, a robust acquisition pipeline, and a supportive shareholder base, we're ideally positioned to continue to create significant shareholder value, both through organic initiatives and acquisitions. I'm more confident than ever that we will emerge from this pandemic a stronger, larger, and even more resilient company. As a final note, before passing the presentation over to our CFO, Will Kaludic, for an overview of our financial results for the quarter, I would like to mention that we will not be providing any commentary or answering any questions about certain recent media reports on possible acquisition targets. I will now turn the
3: presentation over to Will. Will? Thanks, George, and good morning, everyone. Before discussing our results for the quarter, I would like to caution you that to the extent we make forward-looking statements during our presentation, our forecasts and assumptions are subject to change and actual results may vary. Please see our 2019 and third quarter of 2020 md filings, both of which can be found on the CEDAR website, www.cedar.com for details and some of the factors that could cause our actual results to differ from our current expectations. Turning to our results for the quarter, our revenue grew by approximately $133 million, or 13.7%, to a record $1.1 billion. The biggest driver of this increase was approximately $88 million of organic volume growth representing an inflation adjustment growth rate of 9.1%. As George mentioned earlier, our strong performance was despite several of our businesses continuing to be negatively impacted by COVID-19 related factors, the effects of which were partially offset by robust sales in in our retail and convenience store channel sales. On a net basis, i.e. after taking into account unusual trends in our retail and convenience store sales, we estimate the third quarter sales impact of COVID-19 related factors to be approximately $34 million, which is down significantly from the $132 million estimated for the second quarter. Normalizing for the $34 million impact, of our organic growth rate for the third quarter is 12.5%. Our sales growth, both on an actual and on a non- normalized basis, was well above our long-term targeted volume growth rate range of 4 to 6 percent due to a variety of factors, such as recent capacity expansions, new customers, and product innovation across a number of product categories, including fresh seafood, meat snacks, artisan sandwiches, dry cured meats, and cooked proteins. The remaining drivers of our third quarter growth were business acquisitions, which accounted for $33 million of the increase, selling price inflation of $8 million, and currency exchange inflation of $4 million. Our adjusted EBITDA for the quarter increased to $93.5 million from $84.1 million in the third quarter of 2019, primarily due to the significant increase in our sales partially offset by labor wage inflation, higher discretionary compensation accruals, and net COVID-19 related costs of $3.6 million. Normalizing for the impacts of COVID-19 related factors, including lost sales, our third quarter adjusted EBITDA and adjusted EBITDA margin are 105 million and 9.3% respectively. Our adjusted earnings per share for the quarter increased by 21% to a record $1.07 per share from $0.88 per share in the third quarter of 2019, driven mostly by the increase in our adjusted EBITDA. In terms of our outlook for the balance of 2020, assuming that the current situation with respect to the COVID-19 pandemic remains relatively stable, We expect to continue generating year-over-year improvement in our sales and adjusted EBDOT. However, due to the seasonality of many of our businesses, the degree of this improvement will likely not be to the same extent as achieved in the third quarter. Looking further out, we remain bullish on meeting or exceeding our 2023 sales and adjusted EBDOT targets of $6 billion and $600 million, respectively. As George mentioned earlier, the responses of our businesses to the challenges they have faced over the last eight months have expanded, not contracted, our long-term organic growth expectations, while at the same time the uncertainty associated with the current environment is further expanding our acquisitions pipeline. Turning to our financial position, during the quarter we completed a combined common share and convertible to venture offering that resulted in net proceeds of $309 million. We also issued a notice of intention to redeem our convertible debentures maturing in April 2021, which resulted in $81 million of the debentures being converted to common shares and the balance being repaid. As a result of these transactions, we finished the quarter with a very strong balance sheet and a record level of liquidity. Our senior debt to adjusted EBITDA ratio at the end of the quarter fell to 1.4 to 1. Our total debt to adjusted EBITDA ratio, which incorporates our convertible debentures, fell to 3.0 to 1. And we had approximately $700 million of unutilized credit capacity. In terms of our investing activity during the quarter, we announced the acquisitions of culinary products manufacturer Global Gourmet, and seafood distributor All Seas Fisheries. Global Gourmet closed in the quarter, while All Seas Fisheries, which was subject to approval by the Canadian Competition Bureau, closed earlier this week. The combined capital allocated to these two transactions is $127 million. During the quarter, we also allocated $16 million in capital to Project CapEx initiatives, which we define as investments within expected internal rate of return of 15% or greater. These included a 41,000-square-foot expansion of our artisan bakery in Langley, B.C., several meat snack capacity expansions in Canada and the U.S., adding incremental charcuterie tray pack capacity at our Reno sandwich plant and the installation of automated production lines at our Phoenix sandwich plant. We also broke ground in the quarter on a 26,000 square foot expansion of our meat snacks and dry cured product facility in Brantford, Ontario. Looking forward, we are also assessing two additional capital projects with a combined estimated cost of $35 million. Subject to these projects meeting our minimum IRR threshold of 15%. We expect them to commence over the next two quarters and be completed between the fourth quarter of 2021 and the fourth quarter of 2022. Turning to dividends, during the quarter we declared a dividend of $23.4 million or 57 cents 75 per share, which on an annualized basis works out to $2.31 per share. Our free cash flow for the trailing 12 months was $177 million as compared to dividends of $87 million, resulting in a payout ratio of approximately 49%. I will now turn the call over to Carrie for the Q&A segment. Carrie?
1: Thank you. If you would like to ask a question, please signal by pressing star 1 on your telephone keypad. If you're using a speakerphone, please make sure that your mute function is turned off to allow your signal to reach our equipment. Again, that is star 1 to ask an audio question. We'll pause for just a moment to allow everyone the opportunity to signal. Our first question will be from George Gumet from Scotia Bank.
4: Yeah, hello sure. guys, and congrats on on a strong quarter. Thanks, George. Well, if we uh, if we eyeball that weekly sales chart in the presentation that you guys put out in mid September uh, versus today's results, it looks like we had a really strong exit in the quarter. So I'm just wondering why you guys are tapering the Q4 sales goal, uh, goalposts from those levels. Anything specific that you're seeing? or you'd be conservative
3: there? Well, it, it, that weekly sales chart, you have to be a little bit careful with it because the timing of orders can distort individual weeks. An order bumping over one day, you know, that shipment date can dramatically impact that, especially with, with our sandwich group and they're, they're, they tend to have larger shipments going out to major distribution facilities across the U.S. and Canada. So, so, so you gotta be a little bit careful there and then also maybe some of that being pulled in from, as a result being pulled in from Q4. So you've got that factor in there. And then you've also, like you say, seasonality is a big factor. You know, Q2 and Q3 are our, our big quarters. Uh, meat snacks are a tremendous driver of our, our sales in those quarters, and, and that business is is significantly dis- diminished in the fourth quarter. And And then there's also another factor, George, in that um, a, a big driver of our growth over the last couple of qu- last three quarters have been in our seafood group and, and some of our seafood initiatives, and we're starting to lap some of those initiatives in Q4 as well.
4: Oh, that's great. Thanks for the color there. And bit, it looks like we've taken about 10 million more price increases uh, in SF compared to last quarter, and input costs seem to be down sequentially. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that dynamic and, you know, will we take some prices, moving forward maybe to offset some of the structural COVID costs that works or anything?
3: Yeah, a lot a lot of those increases, George, were historic, w- w- were just sort of finally coming up to the lapping. Again, that'll be a fourth quarter issue, but a lot of those price increases were put through last year at the end of Q2, early Q3, in to address the ASF issues. Um, and so you're still seeing those flow through this quarter.
4: Okay, and any COVID costs that you guys plan on taking the
3: patents for Consumer Q4 and onwards? No, no, no. You know, okay. in, in the core, and just to give a little color on the, the COVID costs, so, you know, our, our net costs were about $3.6 in the quarter. Most of that, it, you know, there, there's two factors in there. There were actual costs of about $4.6 million. Um, before we take into account government subsidies, net 1.1 million in cost cutting, um, most of those costs are all transitory. So as they flow through, you know, we'll we'll, we'll normalize um, in coming quarters once we're through this, this, this
4: pandemic. Okay, and one last one, if I may, maybe to George, uh, a two-part question. George, I'm just wondering maybe has the pandemic at all had an impact on, you know, how you rethink the type of acquisitions that you'd be interested in And second part, I know you guys don't comment on rumors at all, but how's the appetite in general for buying a business that generates well above 50% of their sales um, outside of North America?
2: Um, Again, George, um, overall, as we mentioned in our prepared comments, um, our our pipeline is as robust as ever. Um, I would say that... The pandemic scare probably is motivating more people to talk to us rather than less. So, you know, right now we have to pick and choose uh, which acquisitions to prioritize. You know, I think it's, uh, it's a good position to be in. Um, with regards to your second question, George, as I, as I mentioned, uh, you know, we, we have no comments. Um, you know, we did make an investment in Europe, of course, uh, this past year, which has worked out very well. Uh, this, the, the company in Italy is, is is giving us great support in terms of our uh, Italian uh, dry-cured meat initiatives that are growing fabulously well in, in North America. But, but again, I, I have no comment on the second part of your question.
4: Okay, thanks, guys.
1: Thank you. Our next question will be from John Zamparo from CIBC. Hey,
5: thanks. Good morning, guys. Good um, morning. I'm trying to better... Hi, I'm trying to understand the uh, the comment around the Q4 outlook a bit better. You, you mentioned seasonality as the reason to expect more limited growth. Is is that referring to, like, on a dollar basis, as in you expect more limited dollar growth because it's growing from a smaller baseline, or are you saying uh, slower percentage growth year over year in Q4?
3: Uh, both, John. Um, although the dollar is the more impactful thing, but also on a percentage basis. I, again, you know, a big part of what drove that strong, you know, normalized 12.5% was the meat snacks category, and that's just not going to be the same driver in the fourth quarter.
5: Okay, got it. Um, on the um, on the lower-than-ideal customer fill rate, uh, apologies if I missed it, can you quantify that for either revenue or, or EBITDA for the quarter, and, and has that continued to this point? Do you see it alleviating over uh, the next couple of months?
3: Uh, well, it, it's a tough number to quantify, and that's why we didn't try normalizing for it, just because it, it's sort of a compounding number. You, you short it, and then um, the customer continues to order. It continues to be short. So so it, it's a tough number to estimate, so we really don't comment on it. Um, it. It was a factor in the quarter, but, you know, I would say it wasn't a... A, a, a really large factor. It was it was just one of several sort of COVID impacts.
2: From my perspective, um, I would say that all of our companies um, they aspire to you know a 98% 99% fill uh, factor, uh, and uh, and uh, you know we've seen a lot of our companies come in at 92 93, and you know that's just not acceptable. But but in this environment with uh, some of the business continuity issues, of course uh, you know the, the, you know it's probably better than some of uh, uh, you know the other companies out there so so again it's a it's a difficult environment given the pandemic and given some of the um, business continuity issues with uh, with uh, having to do with the pandemic
5: okay, that's helpful thanks. Um, I wanted to ask you about the uh, the retail part of the business, in particular groceries. So now that we're seeing um, some dining rooms restricted across different parts of the country, are you seeing similar surges in the retail channel as as what we saw maybe in March or April? Probably not to the same magnitude, but um, has that business been outperforming as we've seen additional shutdowns?
2: I think overall um, retail and club has benefited immensely from, uh, you know, the the shutdown or the lockdowns uh, and some of the issues in fine dining and, and uh, generally uh, consumers uh, not eating outside of their homes uh, to the same extent as, as before uh, COVID-19. And, and you know we're seeing those trends uh, continuing and they've been continuing throughout uh, since, since the beginning of the pandemic.
5: Okay, thank you. And then uh, one last one for me. Um, how, how are you and the board thinking about the dividend at this point? It, it does seem like the business is probably more resistant to the pandemic than maybe first feared. Um, and I mean, you've mentioned that you're you're excited about what's in the M&A pipeline uh, and that there's more opportunities than ever. Um, so, just wondering if there's if there's as much certainty on on the magnitude of increases you've seen or you've done in the past, given uh, given how
3: much you have uh, in terms of M&A. You know, we're certainly very comfortable with our current dividend policy and, you know, as I mentioned earlier, on a trailing 12 months basis, we're, we're running below kind of our general guideline of a 50% payout ratio. So we have a tremendous amount of flexibility there, John. Um, the only reason why we would possibly not grow our dividend at, at the same rate as we had in the past is we're getting more and more investor feedback that... They want us to keep the capital, so that would be more the consideration relative to any consideration that we couldn't handle the same level of increases. So, outside of that though, you know, those are discussions that, you know, we'll we'll have towards the end of the year, early next year. Okay, understood.
5: Uh, That's all for me. Thank you very much. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Our next question will be from David Newman from Darcy News.
5: Good morning, gentlemen.
6: Hey David, how are you? Good. How are you? We're um, well. Just kind of looking at, um, you know, you're gaining a lot of momentum here, and, and I think, you know, there's a couple of years where you're really invested in sort of new accounts, channels, markets, et cetera, and you're 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 gathering steam. Steam, and I and I you know I clearly understand, you know, meat snacks and in the fourth quarter and things like that. But can you is there a certain uh, can you call out some of the gr- with some granularity where you're really seeing solid traction? You know w- what new accounts, channels, markets, and I know we discussed some of these down in Phoenix. And uh, you know obviously on the meat snack side, to retail seafood. But any any color on where you really have seen remarkable uh, wins?
2: Um I, again uh, David there's no uh, sort of one answer to your question I, I you know we're really pleased with uh, the progress that we're making across all of our platforms I, I mentioned uh, some of the traction that we're getting in the US uh you know we had 16% growth in the in the in the US during the the quarter yep uh number. you know that's uh, that reflects uh, our sandwich platform meat snack platform and and our seafood platform. Um, Again, uh, you know, these are good growth numbers in a pandemic where some of our companies in the U.S. lost, you know, customers like airlines and cruise lines and and, uh, et cetera, right? So, so again, it's, uh, you know, the growth is broad-based. You know, we're really pleased with the way some of our companies pivoted to other channels and found other customers, and uh, you know, again, not nothing specific other than lots of good progress in all channels: uh, club, uh, retail, uh, C store, uh, and um, and some direct to home as well, to, uh, leveraging uh, you know other uh, delivery platforms. So, so again, lots of progress on on many fronts are. Our cooked uh, protein platform uh, is doing tremendously well. You know, we're trying to figure out ways to add capacity, both in Canada and the U.S. Um, um, and, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, very consistent to uh, a lot of the consumer trends that uh, we're seeing out there. So, so broad-based uh, progress, I would say, uh, David. Okay, and so that, obviously that portends the continued uh, momentum overall yeah you know, as will said, there is some seasonality to our numbers, and you know at times we want to be conservative again, given that we don't know how this pandemic is going to progress and how the second wave is going to progress but but yeah we're we're very pleased with uh with the progress we're we're making across all of our platforms
6: okay, great, and then on the guidance um more along the lines of, you know, you had challenges as well in the past with commodities and things like that. So the guidance seems to be more skewed toward the top line, whereas, you know, are you seeing margin momentum? So in other words, you you called out some things in the quarter like new supply relationships, the inventory positions where you had a bit of a gain there and, and some hedging, I guess. But the commodity cost environment is now looking very benign. So, uh, you look at gross margins and EBITDA margins as you head into four q do you think you're going to sustainably between gross margins and you know EBITDA scale and your fixed costs, start to see that really heading north
3: yeah no, on on the commodities east side david we're you know we're a little bit on the conservative a concerned side, just given it, it's tough to see but because there aren't public Numbers around it, but but particularly in our protein division and the boneless material that they use, there is a tremendous shortage in North America of labor, and and as a result, uh, there's there's not enough workers to process this raw material. So there is quite a shortage of it, and it is creating uh, a, a bit of an inflation bubble in that segment. And and our Q4 use, you know, hams and things like that, use a lot of this material. So we are a little bit concerned on the commodity front, but you're right, outside of that, a lot of the other, other areas um, in beef and seafood and uh, um, chicken and chicken are, are relatively benign. So, uh, you know, you, you've you got kind of generally okay with this one little segment being a concern. So that's why we're sort of a slightly Bit conservative on on our outlook on on margins in the fourth quarter. Got it.
6: And last one for me, just on your own labor, uh, you took measures, and I, I saw thank you bonuses and things like that. But what what other what other measures have you taken to sort of mitigate that? Because that's obviously an ongoing
2: issue amid COVID. Uh, again david i you know we we focused a lot on investing in in automation and investing in improved efficiencies uh, as we mentioned before in in some of our companies we've rationalized a lot of the skus and we're focusing on um you know the 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 plants and, and our capacity towards the uh, the top 10 skus let's say again they a lot of our companies had to be very innovative in in trying to you know manage their plants in the best way possible in a in a pandemic you know where you know you've got issues with uh, people not showing up to work people testing positive at times people having people at home that test positive it, it, it's a you know it's an unsettled environment out there and you know a lot of our companies have been Extremely innovative in trying to deal with uh, the scarcity of labor situation. Um, you know, it is a problem as we mentioned, but but it is a problem for everybody. Everybody in the industry is having the same issues. And uh, again, we've we've changed the way we're managing our business overall to to deal with this issue. Excellent. Thanks, gentlemen. Congratulations. Thank you, David. Thanks, David.
1: Thank you. Our next question will be from Stephen McLeod from BMO Capital Markets. Uh,
7: thank you. Good afternoon, guys. Even hey, Steve.
1: Hi. I just wanted
7: to follow up on uh, just uh, just on in terms of the new you know new initiatives and customers and products that have been driving you know this uh, this accelerated organic growth, particularly as you go through the recovery. Um, can you just talk a little bit about like, when you look into 2021? Could these uh, these incremental initiatives push your your organic volume growth above? a 4 to 6% target in a more sustainable way?
3: Um, at, at this point, Steve, we're, we're not giving any guidance on 2021. Um, so I, I, I'd hate to, to be very specific. But in, in general terms, we are still in a lot of these initiatives, particularly in our sandwich group, our, on our meat snacks group in the U.S. in the early innings. So, but outside of that, I don't really want to talk too much about 2021.
2: I, I would say, um, Stephen, uh, from, from my perspective, that as we've mentioned um, uh, previously, um, you know, demand is not an issue in, in, in many ways. You know, there's a lot of demand out there. Um, what we're focusing right now is really ensuring uh, business continuity and... Um, and our ability to execute and deliver um, excellent service to, to our customers. Um, that's the focus. Uh, as we've said earlier, um, the, the, the demand is not an issue today. Um, as I mentioned in my prepared remarks, if, if you know, we didn't want to overwork our labor force and, uh, you know, and didn't have some of the labor challenges that we did, our sales would have been a lot higher. Um, so, so we're not too concerned about demand at this point, but again, uh, the major focus today for us and for a lot of other companies in our space is, is to ensure business continuity.
7: Okay, that's, uh, that's helpful commentary. Thank you. Um, can you, you able to give a little bit of incremental of color on uh, what the new projects are that you're looking for or are you looking into with about $35 million or is that something that we just sort of announce as it becomes, to, becomes more uh, imminent?
3: Yeah, no, no. I, there, there's two projects. The bigger project by far is expanding our uh, premium processed meats capacity in the U.S. Our Ferndale facility. So that's a, a $20 million U.S. project. Um, so that's by far the bigger. And the, the other one is a distribution-related project for Western Canada. So we're we're in the final steps of the analysis now. So I would expect we, we you know, next quarter we'll be talking about those projects going forward.
7: Okay, thank you. Um, And then you you gave a little bit of uh, of gross margin color in terms of uh, what you're seeing on the commodity cost side. Um, How do you see SG&A evolving as you go into Q4 and then, I guess, maybe into next year as well? I I know you're not giving guidance on 2021, but I'm just trying to think through, you know, what SG&A leverage could potentially look like um, or whether you have some, you know, costs coming back into the system or anything like that.
3: Yeah, so SG&A has been sort of a a damper on our margins for the last several quarters because we did invest a lot in infrastructure, you know, mid to late last year. Um, so I would expect, Stephen, to see some deleveraging in 2021 around their SG&A, both in the specialty foods and the premium foods distribution
7: groups. Okay, that's uh, that's great. Okay, that's it for me, thanks guys. Thanks Stephen,
3: right. thanks Steve.
1: Thank you. Our next question will be from Derek Lizard from TD Securities.
4: Yeah, good afternoon, uh, gentlemen, and congratulations on a great quarter. Um, Just a couple of questions for me. It's not very good sequential improvement in in specialty food, even though margin. I was just wondering if you could maybe talk about um, how much of that improvement stemmed from, I guess, lower COVID expenses versus, versus, um, I think you mentioned, leveraging some of the additional volumes.
3: Now, sorry, Derek, are you talking from Q2 to Q3? Yes, yeah, the question, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, again, our our Q2 COVID, net COVID costs are quite high. I think they're around $10 million is my, my recollection versus 3.6. So certainly that is a factor, but by far, you know, What's driving the margins on a quarter-over-quarter, year-over-year basis for the quarter was the sales deleveraging. But, but again, um, if you're talking
2: about Q2 versus Q3, you have to remember that April for us this this year was basically uh, a month where we had virtually no sales with some companies, right? So that
3: distorts the. The, uh, the margins for the quarter. Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. And particularly, Derek, and I think we've talked about this in the past, you know, our sandwich group, um, you know, their, their, their operations were shut down for weeks at a time, and there's a tremendous amount of overhead in those facilities. So that, that had a really negative impact on the margins in the second quarter.
4: Okay. Yeah. So that uh, that was actually my my follow up. Thanks for that. Um, I just want so if you could talk about maybe the I mean it's been a quick turnaround in the sandwich sales despite COVID and, and a lot of people working from home. Just wondering if you could maybe add some some color to the strength that you're you're seeing in that business right
3: now. Yeah. The 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 sandwich platform is is. You know, you know, its its big customer is, is is doing much better now, and that that's certainly helping. But the the great part there is it's their new sales initiatives too are are equally if not more driving their growth. Um, they're just getting a tremendous amount of traction in the retail and convenience store channel, uh, both new customers and new products. So yeah, it, it, it's going very well.
2: And and new customers in QSR as well. Um, you know, some, some um, uh, customers that could become uh, very large at some point, some point as well. So, so there's a lot of traction in that platform. They, they've made some very good decisions in regards to um, not laying off anybody during, uh, during April, even though uh, the plants were virtually empty. Um, but that helped as um, customers ramped up uh, very quickly in uh, in may and june uh and um again they in addition to that they were able to go out go go out and and get some more um uh, sustainable business to to add to their uh, uh sales uh, portfolio okay thanks for that gentleman
5: thanks Tara.
1: Thank you our next question will be from sebat turn from r b c capital markets
0: hey sebat Hey, thanks. Uh, Thanks and good afternoon. Um, Let me just continue on some of the commentary. Now, I know you want to not really get too deep into 2021 outlook, but just directionally speaking, um, you know, if you look at the spikes in demand you saw a little bit in the retail channel, I guess, as COVID took off, you know, is there a concern on the organic growth outlook into 2021? Or do you think, you know, some of this demand is probably related to some of your initiatives and products and maybe that continues? Just trying to think about, just the comparatives as, or comparatives as we get into the next year, and as some of these quarters had pretty big top-line growth.
3: And we, we spent a lot of time with our businesses isolating, the, trying to estimate, isolate the impact of COVID-19 related factors on, on their sales, and that was both on the positive and the negative side. Um, the negative side was pretty easy, obviously, to identify, the positive was a little more challenging given the we had a really good summer in central Canada and that drove a lot of a lot of business, so we had to sort of strip that impact out from necessarily COVID. But you know, we, we feel pretty good about that number we came to the twelve and a half percent is normalizing for some of that unusual lift you're getting in retail right now from COVID.
2: Okay, and then I I, I guess it's Sorry, I, I think the other point to remember as well is that, um, you know, as Will mentioned in his prepared remarks, uh, you know, we are uh, suffering in in terms of of certain channels, you know, and and if, if let's say you assume a a, a, redact- a reduction or or less momentum in retail, you, you'll pick up momentum in in QSR and, and food service as well, right? Right? So. So, um, you know, you may lose some traction on, on some channels,
0: but you'll gain it in others. Okay, and then just, I guess, related to that, how are you guys, you know, feeling about the sandwiches business? If, I know you indicated that, if I caught it correctly, that it grew during the quarter. But maybe you can shed some color on the trends you're seeing across some of the channels that you're involved with in the sandwiches space, whether it's, you know, QSR or the C-Store channel, just what are you seeing... Um, by channel within that category
2: very very strong uh, trends Um, if we didn't have uh, some labor challenges the uh, the, their numbers would be would be higher Um, their uh, business overall grew uh, low double digits during the quarter which was uh, year-over-year which uh, which we were very pleased with Um, and um, again if if we assume normal type of uh, uh, conditions with regards to uh, to labor um, you know we 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 expect to pick up some some momentum based on the initiatives in the pipeline
0: okay, so based on that commentary, I guess we should assume that if we think about your larger customers in that channel they 've seen demand return to pre pandemic levels I guess for breakfast sandwiches
2: uh, I think that's a very uh, good assumption and but it, as will said earlier. Um, you know, we, we you know, the, although that customer is, is growing with us, the percentage, the the percentage of of, of of our business that they make up is actually uh, diminishing, um, and uh, because we are successful in picking up other
0: customers in other in other channels. Okay, great. And then just last one for me on the margin side. I think you alluded to this earlier around some of that SG&A pressure this year, and you know, it makes sense I amidst mean, the backdrop. Now, directly speaking, do you also expect maybe gross margins as we progress into the next year to to, uh, trend positively um, in addition to some of this SG&A improvement you're talking about?
3: Well, certainly the second quarter of next year is going to be a no-brainer given the issues some of our production facilities experience. But in in general terms, yes. Uh, You know, a big part of our story, a big part of where we expect our margin expansion to come from over – the coming years is sales deleveraging. We've invested a lot, not only in the SG&A infrastructure, but in our production infrastructure. So while we do have more projects coming online, you know there were some pretty big ones that we've completed over the last couple of years that we're still deleveraging on.
0: Great. Thanks very much. Thanks, Helen.
1: Thank you. I'm showing no further questions at this time. I'd like to turn the call back over to our speakers.
2: I'd like to uh, thank everybody for attending today, and uh, please all uh, stay uh, safe and healthy. Thank you.
1: Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This concludes today's teleconference. You may now disconnect.
0: Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's Investor Relations section on their website. See you next time.